0: You are Locked On Spurs, your daily San Antonio Spurs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome to Locked On Spurs right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Jeff Garcia of News 4 San Antonio and Fox 29 San Antonio Spurs Zone. And I'll be joined by former San Antonio Express News sports editor and current editor-at-large at at WAI and Fox 29, Jim Lefko. And he and I are going to be talking about Tony Parker's farewell message to the city of San Antonio and his former squad. Wow, I can't believe I'm saying that. San Antonio. Uh, Also, we're going to dive into DeMar DeRozan. And if him coming a spur is going to make him go to new heights as far as his game is concerned, And obviously we're going to talk about everybody's scratching their heads over the Las Vegas ESPN playoff projections that do not include your San Antonio Spurs. So to kick things off, I'm going to bring in Jim and Jim, thank you for coming on locked on Spurs.
0: My pleasure, Jeff. Happy to be part of the show.
1: Oh yeah. Thank you again uh, for taking some time out. And well, I take it. You already read the uh, Tony Parker farewell message to San Antonio on the players tribune. And uh, what were your thoughts about it?
0: Well, I was impressed. Uh, it was neat that he used uh, the forum that a lot of athletes do to communicate directly with the fans. Uh, there's no filtering by the media. There's no spin. There's no uh, uh, anything other than Tony talking to the faithful that have made him you know, such a part of the fabric of, of Spurs nation for almost two decades. And uh, I, I think it's great that uh, he was uh, speaking from the heart that uh, he articulated what he felt uh, this community meant to him and what he's maybe meant to the community, uh, that he talked about the Spurs' way, uh, all the things that we always knew about him. And uh, I think it's going to be really cool when he comes back here, and I think he's even set the stage for uh, when his career ultimately does end, that uh, he's, you know, that number's going to be hanging from the rafters and uh, he's going to bring down the house because uh, he's created quite a few memories for, for Spurs fans over the last decade and a half.
1: That he is in that Players' Tribune article or message, he didn't mention that San Antonio is home. And despite the fact that he is now in Charlotte, uh, he still s- sees the Alamo City as his uh, home. And it's just great to see him re- reflect on his career. And it, and the funniest thing about it is that he he's a big fan of floppy hair, modern Ginobili.
0: <laughs> well you play with a guy for that many years uh, you know they both became men here yeah um i wouldn't underestimate that you know they became great basketball players and we want to look at them for what they've accomplished in the championships and all that but uh, don't discount the fact that uh, when they got here they were you know Teenagers barely out of their teen years, uh, a little bit maturity on Manu's part, but uh, they really became adults here um, and, and learned what life is all about, both on the court and off. And I think that's why both of them have such a fond spot uh, in their hearts for San Antonio. Uh, there really is no city like San Antonio, and there are no athletes uh, like, like Tony or Manu or of the so other greats that have come through here. So it was just neat to see Tony uh, kind of open his heart uh, yeah. to the city uh, again, and that, that's what I took from it.
1: Yeah, we, we've we seen him grow up. Like you mentioned, he was a 19 years old when he put on an NBA yep. uniform. And to see him be, start out as a teen and pretty much, you know, get the worst end of Pop's uh, wrath in his uh, budding career. And uh, even for him to admit that, he did not start off his NBA career on the right foot and uh, pretty much uh, flopping his NBA workout with San Antonio. So it uh, really, really came from the heart. And you pretty much echoed exactly what Popovich uh, talked about in his Pharaoh message too, number nine was to see him grow up and to see him become the man that he is. So, you you know, Popovich really highlighted that in his message to Tony Parker.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty cool because, you know, pop has the maturity, you know, the wisdom that the, that, that the age provides. And uh, I think in Tony, you see someone who overcame adversity and it happened early in his career and uh, he dealt with it. And when you think about it, it happened late in his career. You know, he, he was, masterful the way that he went to the bench this past season and then let DeJounte Murray kind of take the reins and he could have made a big issue out of it he could have been petty Uh, there are other athletes that maybe wouldn't have been the team player that Tony was to to accept his new role especially after coming back from such a serious injury and uh, that was that bespeaks to the the class uh, that he brought to, to this organization and uh, it was very obvious, I think, for, for Pop to, to realize because he saw him when, again, he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think if you survive the wrath of Pop and learn how to be his point guard, uh, you're going to form a bond that's uh, you know going to last a lifetime. And, and those two definitely have that bond.
1: When he does come back to San Antonio for his lone appearance or if when the day comes that he hangs up his sneakers and we see his jersey be uh, r- risen to the rafters, I, I hope that at least kind of roast him a little bit and play some clips of his uh, rap career. I mean, that, I think that'll be fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I, I think the Spurs have shown that the, they do exits really well. You know, yeah. you just go back to, you know, the, the more recent Duncan retirement and how, how classy that was. And, uh, you know, just the heartfelt messages that are delivered. And I expect something similar for Tony. I expect something similar for Manu. I mean, these these are giants, yeah. uh, you know, not just in San Antonio. I think everybody here appreciates them, but the, the world, you know, certainly the NBA world appreciates what these guys did. And, and maybe they don't have the stats that, that Duncan had or, or David Robinson had, but in their own way, they mean just as much to, to fans here. And all these championships wouldn't have occurred, obviously, without Duncan. But I would argue they wouldn't have occurred without, you know, mm-hmm. Tony or Amano either. I mean, these guys played significant roles in, in every title Uh, fans here know that. And I think uh, just the longevity, you know, the only thing that hurts is that they won't be finishing, you know, at least in Tony's case, his career in a Spurs uniform. But I don't think that's going to bother Spurs fans. I mean, think back to those that remember George Gervin. You know, uh, it was so unseemly to see him in a Chicago Bulls uniform. But I don't think that detracts uh, from the the body of work that he did here. And it's not going to detract from the body of work that Tony did here that he plays a year or maybe two in Charlotte. Um, They they have a different need than the, the Spurs do. And and who knows? Maybe Tony starts there. Or maybe he does the same thing and comes off the bench. But good for him that uh, you know he found a place that you know wants him at uh, the level he wants to play at and the level he wants to be paid at. You know that's that's the hard reality of pro sports. Some organizations you know have the money, you know, be, be it the salary cap or just how they're building the franchise that they can afford a player when uh, maybe the team that he's always been with can't. And there's certainly no animosity. He left on great terms, and I know he'll be welcomed back with open arms by the organization and, and by the, the Spurs faithful.
1: Yeah, exactly. And in recent history, too, uh, you know, Sean Elliott, you know, he was uh, traded to the Pistons and then he came back right. he was just one year out. But he still saw his number hang in the AT&T Center. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a very emotional game when the Charlotte Hornets make their lone trip to the Alamo City. Uh, I'm pretty sure every Spurs fan in attendance uh, will be on their feet uh, applauding him and uh, showering him with. With applause, and I'm pretty sure he'll have to say something to tell everybody to sit down. We got a game to go to, you know. We got a game to play, right? So uh, yeah. yeah, it should
0: be it should be a fun night. I would think it'd be a lot of fun for everybody. Uh, I don't think there'd be pressure on Tony like there will be on you know a certain other players who's going to mm-hmm. be coming back here next year in, in <laughs> a minimum uniform. But no, I, I think it's going to be uh, goodwill, and certainly the Spurs fans will want the Spurs to win. But I think in the back of their mind, they wouldn't mind seeing Tony, uh, you know, have a really nice night too, um, you know, and, and show that you know the skills that we've seen him, you know, do for the last, you know. Uh, the generation
1: that Tony was here. I'm expecting some Spurs fans that tend to have a knee jerk reaction every time he scores a bucket. Do we clap or not? Do we, do we, do we stand up and <laughs> cheer or not? So, uh, but it's going to be a great night and looking forward to that. Uh, but speaking about the Spurs and, you know, winning and, you know, getting the season going, uh, it, it could be a very a short, um, another run for San Antonio, at least according to, ESPN is Kevin Pelton and Las Vegas oddsmakers Westgate and what I mean by that and then you're pretty sure listeners you know already what happened um, both entities ESPN and uh, Westgate recently released their uh, playoff predictions and uh, both did not have your silver and black making the postseason and if that's true. You know, if it does pan out that way, then this will be the first time in 21 seasons that that will not occur. You know, your first thoughts when you saw, you know, both uh, projections uh, not having San Antonio in, um, you know, fighting for a playoff spot or let alone making the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I think this is early August. Um, this is how you generate chatter uh, yeah. on podcasts and on radio talk shows in August. Um, you know, this is kind of the quiet time for the NBA. A lot of the uh, the free agent stuff is behind us now. We still obviously don't know about Manu, but this is what you do to get people that are diehard NBA fans to start to you know, thinking about the upcoming season. You could certainly see how they could come to that conclusion, but you could certainly see how we disagree. Um, I think in a perfect world the Spurs will contend for the third spot in the West. If they stay healthy and DeRozan is the player we think he is. I do think that Golden State is, is out of reach, and I think Houston, if they're healthy, is, is probably you know just a small step behind them. I see no reason why the Spurs can't contend for the third spot just like they did last year um, with uh, healthy DeRozan all year, and you know they only got nine games out of Kawhi Leonard last year. So I think the Spurs could be at least as good, if not better, if they get uh, the kind of performances they expect from their key people. They've got some good young talent coming in. we got Pop in the latter stages of his career. He's not uh, looking to end that streak. So I think all all signs point to me. Uh, that they're going to be a 50-win team, and uh, I'd be shocked uh, if they don't finish with a winning record. And I just be, I can't, I don't see a scenario where they don't at least contend for a playoff spot and, and get one uh, if they stay healthy.
1: Yeah, and you also look to uh, the fact that the Spurs will not have that major distraction uh, um, floating in their heads, that being Kawhi Leonard and will he play or will not? He play? What's his status? And that'll be eliminated. That's been eliminated already. You add the fact too that hopefully. Uh, the team will stay relatively healthy. You know, you people forget, you know, that Rudy Gay got hit hard with the injury bug last season. Uh, Tony Parker also was out for a few games. Mono Ginobili, same for him, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, this team went through, I think, 20-plus different lineup changes last season, yet still made the postseason without their star player Kawhi Leonard, who was dealing with his uh, injury. Uh, Reportedly, Uh, you know, one of the things, at least in the the Kevin Pelton analysis, uh, it pointed to the fact the Spurs lost a lot of defense. Kyle Anderson, Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. Uh, You think that played pretty much the biggest factor in these projections?
0: Well, that's the biggest concern I have. Uh, you know, again, with DeRozan, a career 20-point per game scorer, um, they may not be able to score with Golden State or Houston, but I think they can certainly score with everybody else. So I don't think offense is going to be the concern. Well, it, and it was at times last year. I think defense uh, is what I want to see. You know, and again, Pop's got a long history of, you know, commanding uh, you know defensive intensity and, and defensive prowess. You know, anytime this team doesn't leave the NBA in, in defense, it's, it's shocking to me. And uh, I'd be stunned if they don't return to that level. My only, you know, question is how will the team chemistry work on defense? And uh, one stat that uh, I found pretty fascinating about the uh, DeMar DeRozan, and again, I, I love his offensive game, but uh, 538. Uh, the website did a did a thing. Uh, they called it lag rate, and I'd never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. But it was a pretty interesting statistic where they measure how many times a player doesn't beat the ball back on defense past half court. And for DeRozan last year, it was uh, about 101 times which in and of itself doesn't mean a whole lot, but they took the stat one step further and said, how many times are you three seconds behind the ball? If you're three seconds behind the ball passing half court, you're not part of your team's defense. And uh, 15 times out of those 101, he didn't get back past half court within three seconds of the ball passing half court. That was sixth worst in the NBA. And that's a pretty telling statistic. Um, Not to just base it all on, you know, analytics, but the, that's something that's going to have to change, you know, for him in this defense. And the the coincidence of that number last year was that his teammate Kyle Lowry was seventh. Uh, I think he was uh, 14 times he had that happen to him. Mm-hmm. So you had two of the top 10 in worst lag rate on the same team, and to me that goes to the culture uh, that they played in in Toronto last year, and the culture is 180 degrees different here. Um, part of the reason, uh, and at number one in the NBA for worst lag rate, was Draymond Green. Wow! And we all know why why his stat was so bad because he spends you know half the game arguing with the referees back there. <laughs> right. Wonderful defensive player, but you know there are times when he just doesn't get back on D because he's arguing. That I can't imagine the Spurs had 15 the combination of Lowry and DeRozan last year, 15 times among the whole team of people not getting back on defense within three seconds of the ball passing half court. So, again, I'm not trying to make too much of that statistic. What I think it points to is uh, potentially some bad habits that need to be broken, and the way the Spurs coach defense, uh, I have no doubt those those habits will be broken if, if DeRozan's bringing them here with him. And I, I think he's got all the talent in the world to play good defense. And when he's surrounded by a culture that emphasizes defense, I think uh, you'll see some marked improvement there uh, in his game uh, when it comes to stopping the other team.
1: Yeah, and look, you know, another thing, too, that's probably going to change heading into the n- the new season is there will be a little bit more stability. You know, DeMar DeRozan brings stability at that two-guard spot, which is kind of shaky with the loss of Danny Green. And, you know, and Mono General being long in the tooth. Patty Mills likely to slide back into his natural position, that being the point guard. Um, you know, last season he was pretty much shuffled in and out. And so you're going to start one game. You're going to, you know, rest one game. You're going to come off the bench. You're backing up this guy. You're playing point guard. You're playing shooting guard. You know, he was all over the map. I think this, these projections, you're right. You know, it is a way to drum up, talk and, you know, get a little attention to the person's uh, site and name. Uh, but there's just so much that's just not factor into this. And yes, it is really, really early to be really projecting playoffs, positioning. But like they say, Jim, Death taxes Spurs, and it, it it's your own peril if you count out San Antonio making the postseason.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I'd go the other way if I had any doubt, I'd throw them in there just because of their history and, yeah. and again, to me, there's no doubt if they're healthy, I know some of these other teams mm-hmm. have made great strides, but there's just too much uh, credit being given to the Lakers right now, you know LeBron's a wonderful player, but you know you look at the rest to the, the lineup out there and to project them as potentially the third best team in the West, uh, you know, i got to see it to believe it. And, again, there's, it, how boring is it if you just project the standings the way they finished the year before? Right. Um, so, yeah, you've got to be a little bit different. It's got to be a little bit controversial. They, they did some things in the East, too, that I didn't agree with. But that's what August is for. And uh, we don't even have a final roster yet. You know, <laughs> yeah, they're exactly. so far from you, you know, knowing who the you know, 12th, 13th, 14th guy is going to be. What's the starting lineup going to look like? Right. You've got so many answers that you know still have to come before you can even realistically guess at where they're going to finish or what number of victories they're going to have. But you know, this is fun. You know, it's fun to have that out there. Spurs fans can use it as you know, the world's against them, and that's a great motivator. If I was Pop when training camp started, I'd make darn sure that everybody on that team saw those those predictions, and uh, you know that he threw the gauntlet down to them. It, it should be great motivation for these guys if, if they need any.
1: Well, Rudy Gay took note of the ESPN projections and. uh I, I think he pretty much etched it in his brain uh, when uh, he commented, uh, paraphrasing here, something like, okay, you know, we're not making the Spurs are not making the payoffs. Okay, remember this down the line, ESPN. So, Rudy Gay got a little chip on his shoulder. But speaking of chip on his shoulder, <laughs> DeMar DeRozan, we're going to talk about him uh, right after this break from a word from our sponsors. Three,
0: two, one.
1: Okay, we are back, and we are joined by Jim Lefko uh, former sports editor over at San Antonio's X- Express news DeMar DeRozan. He is the big splash the Spurs made over the offseason with a mega trade Involving Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors involving Danny Green and also coming back uh, Yaka Pirtle and a protected first round draft pick next year Uh, DeMar DeRozan you you know, he's um, his first Experience getting traded uh, his you know second team in his NBA career Uh, but recently uh, Vince Carter uh, was asked about DeMar DeRozan joining San Antonio. And one thing he commented was saying that, hey, DeMar joining the Spurs and Popovich is going to take his game to new heights. What do you think about that, Jim?
0: Well, uh, I don't know if Vince Carter's ever played for Greg Popovich. <laughs> it's it's kind of nice that that he feels that way. I think like so many superstars in the NBA, uh, the respect that they have for for Pop and the Spurs system is, uh, is just incredible. Mm-hmm. And that's probably where this comment came from. You're putting a new superstar in DeRozan and with Popovich. And, yeah, I think it's a, it's a marriage made in heaven. I think the things that he can learn here, uh, you know, he's at the peak of his uh, his playing career. You know, this is a guy that, you know, has averaged 20 points throughout the course of his career. He's, uh, what, 28 years old. Um, you'd think that this is the perfect time to find a, a coach like Pop who, and, and his coaching staff who can take him even to another level. And, again, whether he even improves at all offensively, I think his offensive game speaks for itself. I think most of the improvement from him is probably going to come on the defensive side of the ball, and learning to play the Spurs way. Um, you know, for a team that had the, for a team that had the best record in the East last year, uh, they sure did a lot of uh, changing around, from uh, getting rid of the head coach to getting rid of their star player. And uh, you know, I'm not saying it was dysfunctional, but uh, they didn't get the playoff success they wanted, so they uh, you know took some strides to change, and they saw the lure of Kawhi Leonard and thought, well, this is a way to maybe take that next step. Uh, I think, given the situation the Spurs were put in, they came out uh, smelling like a rose here. You know, getting getting a star athlete like uh, like DeRozan, get other assets that you mentioned, I think it's uh, making the best out of a really tough situation. And uh, you know, DeRozan's got a nice big contract. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's making about six million a year more than, uh, than Marcus Aldridge is going to make. And that's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. But I think that should motivate him. Um, being traded, you know, when you didn't think it was coming, that should motivate him. Um, playing in a system like uh, the Spurs have here, that's going to motivate him. So I think you're, you know, you get the trend here. We're going to see a highly motivated player uh, when he gets to San Antonio and training camp starts. And I think he's going to be a great teammate. Uh, the fact that he knows Rudy Gay, the fact that he had a little bit of time with Pop uh, over right. the summer at the uh, at the Olympic uh, uh, minicamp, mini that camp. Bro. These all, these all point really well to him just fitting in, you know, from the get go. And uh, you know, remember what it was like your first day of school, your first day of work, uh, where you don't know anybody. And it can be a little unsettling. Well, here DeRozan is stepping into a situation where he's coming over with a a teammate. Mm -hmm. He knows Pop a little bit. Uh, He's played with Rudy Gay before. Um, So I think it it should be a nice, harmonious situation for him. Uh, It's not going to seem alien at all. And I don't think Mm -hmm. the pressure uh, would be the same as it might be for LeBron, who's the one superstar out there, in my opinion. He's coming here with an uh, accomplished superstar in, in LaMarcus Aldridge. He doesn't need to put this team on his back. Hopefully they're two complementary players who can bring out the best in each other. And I I think it's an ideal situation for both DeRozan and the Spurs.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, he also also spent some time with, uh, you know, returning uh, expert Marco Bellinelli in Toronto as well. So there's there's a lot of connections for him to feel a lot comfortable in San Antonio. And I think the transition will be seamless on the offensive end, but let's talk about the defensive end. You brought it up. That's been his biggest knock in his NBA career is that, you know, he's a great offensive guy, but defensively, yeah, you know, he could be better. Um, do you think that's a big issue right now going into Senate, uh, Going into the next season, you know, that position? Because you lose a guy like Danny Green at that two-guard spot, and that was huge. Say what you will about his uh, on-and-off games on the offensive end, but when it came to defense, you know, he brought it.
0: Yeah, that, that is the big question. You know, Green to me was a shutdown defender. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, obviously a shutdown defender. Um, You know, you lose those two guys. Kyle Anderson, probably underrated as a defender. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there's there's three of your core players uh, who really brought it on a defensive end. And, yeah, I don't think you just replace players like that, but I think if DeRozan had played his entire career here, you might be talking about him at that same same Mm -hmm. level. Um, But it is a concern. uh, he, He was a small role player last year, but Brandon Paul was another kind of defensive specialist that they could bring in on occasion and then get a few minutes on the uh, you know somebody that you know you need to try and get you know, make work a little harder on on the offensive end. So I think the combination of all these players that they lost this year the theme kind of is is defense. And uh, that's what you know this is the ha- that's the hallmark of this team. They won they've won a lot of games over the years when they weren't shooting too well from the field because that defense was a constant Think of all the good teams they've held at 80, 85 points, 75 points over the years. You know, that's not a fluke. This team yeah. takes defense seriously, and that's how you win championships. And, you know, if this team wants to contend for whatever it wants to contend for, I, I still think the uh, the given is they're going to be able to score, the question mark is how well they can play defense at, and can it approach the level of defense that we've seen in years past here.
1: Jim, you know, you and I, we spoke um, earlier today and uh, one thing you took a little little exception with was the the, the, the praise that young Dejounte Murray is getting on the defensive end. Uh, last season, he got the uh, got a big thumbs up from the NBA and being named to the All NBA Defensive Second Team. Do you think you know heading into next season that progress, his defensive progress, will get better, or do you think we may be jumping the gun a little bit as far as right now in his career on the defensive end for young Murray?
0: Well, I think the sky's the limit for him, and he seems to be a gym rat. Um, a lot Kawhi yeah. Leonard, you know, when he was younger in his career, the kind of guy that just realizes he was put on the surface to play basketball, and, and by gosh, he wants to get as good as he can at it. I think we'll see two things out of DeJounte. We're going to see him pick up a jump shot. You know, hello, Tony Parker. Yep. Um, they'll, they'll, they've got great shooting coaches here, and he'll learn to, to shoot that three a little bit better. I think he got a lot of attention uh, for the all-defensive honors because of his rebounding. And he's a wonderful rebounder, you know, arguably the best young rebounding guard, yeah, uh, point guard in the NBA, uh, offensively and defensively. And I think people saw that rebound number and thought, you know, he's a great defensive player. I think he'd be the first to tell you that he isn't a shutdown defender yet in the mode that uh, the Green and Leonard uh, had, had have accomplished. I think he can be. And I just don't see the fear in the eyes of opponents when they are matched up mm-hmm. with the John T. Yeah. Murray, that they're not going to be able to do what they want to do. And I think he's a wonderful talent. I, just, I was stunned. That being up second team uh, all defense in the NBA or third team, whatever it was, he got a lot of attention. And I, I frankly, you know, we see him more than most. I thought he was a very nice young defensive player. I, was just, I just thought that award maybe came a little bit early in his career. Now, maybe he can live up to it. I, I actually think he's got room to grow defensively. Hmm. I think if he learns the system and learns the players and learns the tendencies, you know, this is a kid that started the year as a backup. So he was going up against second team point guards and he became a starter. Suddenly he's going up against the Chris Pauls of the world. It's a little bit different. You know, the the classic competition got a lot higher. Now that he's going to start the year and play presumably all 82 games as a starter, he's going to see the a game that every team's point guard has. I want to, I want to see him sustain that. So uh, while I don't know that I definitely, I don't think I would have voted for him for that kind of honor last year. I think he's got that kind of potential. And I think given his mindset, I have no doubt that I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, within a couple of years, the best defensive player on the Spurs roster. He's got with that the, kind of talent, and uh, I, I'm I'm amazed how far he's come already. And I think this guy's the limit because I don't think we're son we're done seeing this guy grow.
1: You know, with, with a lot of attention on Murray and his, uh, you know, blossoming game right now, I expect a lot of opposing teams to have a target on his back uh, when they match up with him, especially the guard spot, because, you know, when losing Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard you're now left with the question of who's going to be guarding Kevin Durant? Who's going to be guarding right. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, James Harden, Chris Paul, et cetera, et cetera, go down the list. Donovan Mitchell, throwing him as well. So yep. I, I think on –
0: yeah, I, yeah. I don't think we have the answer yet. I, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. That's, you, it would have been Danny Green. It would have been Kawhi Leonard. And uh, maybe one day that becomes DeJounte Murray. He, he's long enough and he's tall enough where he could be that guy. I think he needs to add a little bit of bulk. Um, I think he, and offensively, obviously the the whole world knows he needs to add, you know, that outside shot, but defensively, he's got the mindset and maybe he is that guy that uh, is is the guy that doesn't matter. I think the NBA is getting away from position. I don't think it really matters. I mean, look at LeBron James. To me, he's a point guard. Call him a point forward, call him whatever you want. He's the guy that makes it go. You could argue that Houston has two point guards and, you know, one defers to the other, but I would argue that. Whoever is your point guard, it really doesn't matter on defense when it comes to matchups. If, if, we, if the Spurs think that DeJounte Murray is the best guy to guard LeBron James, and by gosh, that's who they're going to put on him. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they would start the game that way, but think <laughs> no. of all the times that, uh, yeah. that Pop, Pop would alter defensive strategy in the second half. I think of some of the times that Kawhi Leonard shut down James Harden. Uh, they, they do as much defensive strategy on this team as, as any team in, in the NBA. And I think as, as Jante Murray improves defensively, he's going to be a key piece to uh, some of the options this first half.
1: Do you think the next season's uh, one-two punch with Murray and, De, and DeRozan could be one of the better uh, backcourts in the NBA?
0: If you told me that Murray's coming back with a three-point shot, I would be right there with you. Okay. I just think you know teams sagged so much on him last year and until he proves he can hit that shot consistently they're going to lay off him. And the minute he starts hitting those uh, you know even the mid-range jumpers but, but especially the threes I think it opens up everything because we know how how strong he is going to the hole. But it's a lot easier to go to the hole on somebody when they're out there on your 25 feet from the basket yeah. than if they're sagging 5 feet off you. So I think he has to hit that shot and I think he will come. You know whether it's going to come between, you know, from this offseason or he still needs another year to work on that, it's going to be part of his repertoire. And when it when it does come, and if DeRozan plays at the level that we've seen him play in Toronto, sure, you have to put that backcourt up with anybody. But the count me as I got to see it to believe it. You know, I, I know the Spurs have a long history of uh, teaching guys new tricks during the off season. But you know, Murray's got to pick up that three point shot. I think to to really come into his own.
1: And he's really working hard on that three point shot. If you. Uh, catch him on his Instagram. Uh, he Murray is definitely working on that outside shot yep. and that long-range uh, bomb from the three-point line. We are joined by Jim Lefko, editor at large at WAI and Fox 29 San Antonio. Uh, Jim, you, you know when you look at this Spurs squad, you know you you, you see it a lot of new pieces. Uh, you know you bring in Pertle, you you know Demar Derozan, Bellonelli's back, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, you you're, you look at this team and you're like, well, you know, we know defense could be an issue. We know their mid-range game is going to be great with LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. But outside of that, are there any other areas of concern heading into the next season?
0: Well, Pal Gasol's not getting any younger. Um, I like his game. I still, I'm still, i still not sure if he's a starter or if he's more effective coming off the bench, but at this point, I'm not sure you know, that I want to put Pirtle in there as a starting center. So I think that's an X factor. You know, guys do tend to get injured more when they're older. And uh, if Manu comes back, you know, he had a really good season last year from a health perspective. Uh, so that's, that to me is the X factor. You've got some older players on this team. Brady Gay, you know, missed quite a bit of a season uh, last year as he was recovering from a new injury that was after he had that horrible Achilles injury. So you've got some key players that, uh, you know, you've got to keep healthy. Aldridge, you know, not young, not old, but, you know, mid-career. Had some, he's had some issues in the past with some knee problems. So, you know, I think there's that concern. I don't know that their depth at the, the big at the power forward and center spots is maybe where you'd like it uh, coming into the season. But they've got some good young players that uh, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of rookies until they prove they can play in the NBA. You know, everybody looks great when they you know, get drafted. Uh, they've got a young rookie in, in Walker that I'm, I'm really interested in seeing how he plays. But is he going to be able to contribute from day one? Is he, uh, you know, a shutdown <laughs> defender candidate? Uh, will he be able to score? I mean, he's certainly got a wonderful personality, and I think he's already won over San Antonio just from some mm-hmm. of the things he said. Uh, I hope the Spurs let him be himself when it comes to <laughs> his personality. But if he can express himself on the court like that, um, that's, you know, that might be some help that we don't necessarily anticipate coming this year. I'll tell you one other factor that, that, that I, I think Spurs fans probably haven't really uh, fleshed out as much as maybe they can is who the leaders of this team are going to be. Yeah. I saw a lot from Murray last year, even as he was just becoming the uh, the starter at point guard. He seems to have, uh, uh, I don't want to call it precociousness, but he seems to be a little older than his years when it comes to on-court leadership. So I'm, I'm really excited to see how that matures. And I think Rudy Gay, uh, now that he's got a year under his belt in San Antonio, is really going to emerge as a, a clubhouse leader. He's got the respect of his peers. He uh, you know made uh, DeMar DeRozan feel very comfortable about what he had to say about uh, playing in San Antonio. I just think that this is a guy that now in his second year is ready to step up and assume uh, more leadership. And it's the kind of thing that I think was really missing last year because you hope your best player is going to be your strongest leader and you know at the start of the year we would have thought that was Kawhi Leonard, as it turned out he didn't play and you know his leadership skills, you know, are not his strength. And Aldridge did a great job both on the court and I think and in the locker room, but you can't do it alone. And I think uh, assuming Aldridge has another strong year on the court uh, if he's got these other guys that have his back both on the court and in the locker room, uh, I think you're you're going to see some nice things happen for this team.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, le- the leadership uh, will be there in Drove, especially if Mono Ginobili decides to uh, come back for one more season. You know, you look at a lot of the younger players in like Murray, you know, who always looks to Mono Ginobili as, hey, you know, he's grandpa, you know, like we lean on him on, on, on for a lot of advice. And, you know, speaking of Murray and – being a leader, you know, I think over the offseason, he did uh, speak about that and saying that he does want to be a little bit more vocal next season uh, on the course. Hopefully that comes to fruition. Uh, just a couple more questions, Jim, before we let you go. I know it's kind of late right now for you. But um, one, you hear a lot about this, you know, can Lamarcus just coexist with the star player? We saw this. We heard about this in Portland with him and Damian Lillard. Now next season. He'll have DeMar DeRozan. Last season, he didn't have to really worry about that since Kawhi Leonard was out pretty much for the entire season. Um, n- nothing much to do about that, or is there something to really be keeping an eye on on that situation next
0: season? Well, and that was the question we all had going into the last season. you know, How are LaMarcus and Kawhi going to coexist? And it, it's almost a shame for Spurs fans that we never really got to see that play out because that, that, to me, was going to yeah, be fascinating. I be think crazy. it would have worked, um, but it didn't. Uh, you can't look back. So now we've got a new set of teammates, uh, star teammates. You know, DeRozan's a former All-Star. It would not surprise me if, uh, given that he's in the West now and with the talent at that position, that that he's no longer an All-Star. I'm not sure that really matters to the Spurs. You know, his numbers very well could decline. It happens to a lot of players when they come to San Antonio because of the team concept and because of the selflessness with which they play. Again, not necessarily a bad thing if he, uh, if his numbers dip. Uh, we saw that with Aldridge. And it, just like it's not necessarily a good thing if if one guy's carrying the entire scoring burden. So I think the fact these guys can share the load, there'll be some nights when one's on and one's off, and there'll be some nights when they're both on. And then how cool will that be when you get a couple 30 oh, yeah. point performances out of, out of both of them? And again, assuming they're playing good D and rebounding, I think it's a win-win. Uh, the games, I don't think they're going to be in the same spots on the court. I think they'll be able to get shots for both of them. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if DeRozan can get his points in the foot of the offense like Kawhi did. Uh, You know, a lot of times they have to call Aldridge's number and then force the ball down to him and and to great benefit. He does really well down there in that low block. When he gets the the ball, he can go to the hole. He can turn around and shoot that that fadeaway. I, I think DeRozan is going to be talented enough where they're not going to have to call his number every other time down court. Uh, I think he's going to get his shots in the flow of the offense. Uh, I, I see no issues with these two uh, coexisting. Now we haven't seen them play together yet, so maybe that's premature. But it just seems like their games really suit each other. I think their personalities will suit each other. Oh yeah. DeRozan's a fun-loving guy. He likes social media. He likes uh, you know expressing himself. Uh, again, I think it, it's hard to say he's going to be a team leader when you know he hasn't been introduced to all of his teammates yet. I, I think he's got that potential. Certainly with the experience, the the, the All Star trips. I mean. This is a superstar that uh, is is coming here that in many ways does a lot of things that Kawhi didn't. Um, Certainly Kawhi, I think if if Kawhi had DeMar's personality, we never would have been in the situation we were in last year. So you got a guy here who really is, I think, a team player who uh, wants to win and is hungry for a championship, and uh, I think that's all you can ask for. So to answer your question, I think those two will get along fine uh, on the court and off.
1: Yeah, the mid-range game will be in full effect next season for San Antonio (laughs) between LaMarcus and Murray. And think about this, too. Last year, I mean, how many times did we see it, uh, Jim, after games, if the Spurs were not going offensively and LaMarcus wasn't going uh, on the offensive again, and his teammates would say, you know, we got to step up, we got to help LaMarcus, we got to help LaMarcus. Well, now he has somebody that can be there to help him if he's having an off night. And who's to say that... You know, Pop will make substitutions, and you know, have some time where maybe Demar is the the go to guy, and while LMA sure. is taking a, taking a rest.
0: Yeah, I agree. The, the only thing I would caution is there may be a feeling out period, especially if the uh, the schedule comes out, which I guess is due later this week. Yeah, it is. And uh, you know, the Spurs start with uh, you know a lot of playoff teams early, which the NBA tends to do to the Spurs. It seems like uh, I don't know that you'll see the chemistry from day one. I, I think it takes time. And that's the beauty of an 82-game season. You know, we don't have to see the, the finished product uh, by mid-November. Uh, I think it may take a little bit of time to figure out, you know, what all is going on. There's going to be a lot of new players in, in new roles. Uh, again, how will the rookies fit in? You know, how will the new acquisitions fit in? Um, you know, we think we know Bell and Ellie's game, but, you know, how is that going to fit with the current cast of characters? Um, so I, I just think there will be a little bit of a learning curve, not a long one. I would certainly think by uh, by Christmas we're going to have a pretty good feel of what this team's all about. And uh, just, again, if the schedule's tough, uh, it's just tough for a team with, you know, they lost four or five really key players off last season's team. And I, I just caution that it, it may not be one of these 12-2 uh, and two starts, uh, especially if the schedule's really tough.
1: Yeah, I I've been uh, telling Spurs fans that patience is going to be in order as early on in the season, new parts, new players, new star player in the fold, Demar Derozan. The adjustment period. Look, Demarcus Aldridge. You know, he went through his uh, rough patch learning the Spurs system. Um, I don't think it would get to the point where would demand a trade, but uh, you know, you saw you saw it in one moment with Lamarcus Aldridge. Would not be surprised if we see some frustration early on with DeMar as he's trying to feel his way into this system. But I, I think this, the cast around him will help his uh, learning curve uh, just you know, be be at a tremendous speed where he can get um, you know, going and on the right foot in his new city, San Antonio. One final question, Jim. Uh, how huge was it to see DeMar and Popovich uh, working together, at least for a little while, out in Vegas with Team USA?
0: I think it was great. Uh, I mean, that's what a what a hidden benefit uh, for having Pop be the Olympic coach, that he gets to uh, have some time with his, his new star player. Uh, and, again, knowing Pop, he would have taken time between now and the start of camp anyway to either go to Toronto or L.A. or wherever DeRozan right. would have been um, to get to know him a little bit. But, you know, Pop has a way of relating to players that I think has made him uh, arguably the best coach in NBA history. And he, he understands that every player is different and what it takes to motivate each player. And uh, the story I like to regale people with is one that my former colleague Buck Harvey came up with uh, near the end of Duncan's career. Uh, It might have been right after he retired when he found out that one of the things Pop used to do on the road was buy a carrot cake, uh, an extra slice of carrot cake at dinner. And he'd always come back and bring it and leave it in front of Duncan's door. And that was just his little way of, uh, you know, he didn't do that for any other player. He just did it for Duncan. And it wasn't because Duncan was Duncan. It was because that was his way to say thanks uh to, to forge the bond to keep that relationship as strong as it needed to be so i wouldn't be surprised at all if, uh, if pop by the time training camp starts uses what he started uh, at the olympic uh, mini camp and finds whatever the carrot cake is uh to get the Rosen to uh, understand you know that it's about the team and that uh if, if he opens his mind to what pop and the coaching staff can, t- can teach him he's going to leave the city have a lot better, better player than he got here and uh right. Yeah, almost every player that's come to this organization you can say that about so i really admire the way pop is able to relate to every player on that team uh, individually and make them feel special and i think that's already started with derozan
1: yeah you know forge a bond uh, with derozan uh, you know early on uh even before he puts on a spurs uniform i think that's a huge benefit but as far as you know motivating uh demar you know i, I think i personally i would leave uh Usar um Usari Majiri's, um the toronto gm's um apology and transcript and i'll put it right in front of his door every day and go remember this uh you're playing them next or you know you you got another game out but just to motivate him but i i am kidding around but yeah i think popovich does have that uh unique way to bond with players you mentioned it earlier you know how uh, nba players across you know from the teams you know just have this uh special spot for coach pop And uh, every time you ask any NBA player, just say the word Coach Pop, and they will just go on and on on about the great uh, attributes that he brings to the game. And, um, you know, as much as everybody focuses on uh, TD retiring, Manu and Tony eventually calling it a career, you know, I think a big hit to the Spurs franchise is actually going to be Popovich. I think to see him one day hang up his clipboard, you know, that's going to be a huge hit to this franchise.
0: Yeah, when you go a couple decades with the same head coach, and uh, I remember uh, last year at the paper we counted the number of coaches, coaching changes there have been since Pop took over in the late 90s. And uh, the number escapes me, but I think it was around 240 or 250 different coaches in the time that the Spurs have had one coach. Some teams have had as many as uh, 18 to 20, I believe, different coaches almost one a year in the time that the Spurs have had one, one head coach. So, yeah, the continuity, you know, the continuity of a head coach, general manager, ownership, Uh, that's that's you can't put a price tag on that and uh, as we were talking about pop one thought came to mind that you know in high school a lot of high school athletes talk about their their head coach as almost being a father figure and i think at the pro level that's uh, you know it's a little bit harder to muster because you may not have the kind of time you know you player might come for one or two years but think how many of these guys that have come through here that think of pop that way and for that to happen at the nba level uh, is, is really special so you know whether he'll have enough time with DeRozan to forge that kind of relationship, who knows? But he certainly did with uh, with the superstars here. And if uh, DeRozan finishes his career here and Pop gets four or five years with him, you know I wouldn't be surprised at all if they have that same kind of relationship.
1: Yeah, and and, and you know you, you want a very immediate, uh, near um, future, I guess, or just near present uh, experience or read. Just go and read what Steven Adams had to say, uh, the thunderous big man, about Popovich and how in 2014 he went straight to Popovich after the Spurs ousted the Thunder from the postseason, uh, their postseason run, just to hug him and get a whiff of his hair and how he (laughs) dared everybody that they would not do the same if they had... The exact same opportunity and to the point where he's still plotting an Italian wine tour with Pop. I mean, that just shows <laughs> you just how much uh, Popovich is beloved throughout the league and players, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be an interesting uh off season. It's still going on. Uh, you look at that 15 spot. What is Mono gonna do? for training camp, preseason games, yeah, like Jim mentioned, the NBA schedule, it's all coming up. The NBA never rests and uh, but we'll be here to fill you in on the latest and greatest on this silver uh, and black uh jim you want to tell the listeners where they can uh chat with you on social media
0: well i, I spend a little bit of time on twitter uh, at jim Lefko. it's the best place to interact with me and uh i uh, always love to hear what what fans have to say and uh, that's why we do what we do uh, it's a passionate fan base here and uh, i would argue second to none uh Maybe you could argue they've been spoiled a little bit with with five (laughs) championships in two decades. But uh, I think uh, that's what's made it such a sophisticated fan base. And it's what's really cool because uh, the knowledge base that fans have here is is astounding. It's not that way anywhere else. And uh, I think it's because of the the success. It's it's very easy to be a Spurs fan because you've been rewarded for your loyalty. And uh, I think there's only good times ahead
1: exactly and exciting times ahead new new times ahead as the Spurs franchise transitions to a new era and we're, we're going to be there with you listeners uh, Jim and I uh, every step of the way uh, so make sure to go and uh, catch up with Jim on his social media as he mentioned right now uh, but for Jim Lefco I am Jeff Garcia and he and I we're going to put a lock on this episode of Locked On Spurs <music>